When God puts this super on your natural, supernatural phenomena takes place. What's in your hand? Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the Word. (laughs) And today I'm going to preach from only one verse. Only one verse. And I've never done that here before. I usually like to use a variety of scripture, but only one verse was laid upon my heart to minister today. And not only is it just one verse, but it's an unfamiliar verse to most Christians, about an unfamiliar man to most Christians. Most of you would have never heard the character that I speak about today. But when I read this verse in my personal study, something struck my spirit and said, this man needs to be known. And how many of you have done good things on your job or good things in your neighborhoods, good things in your family, but seems like it was never recognized, like nobody mentioned it. Your story was never told Seems like you do something bad, it's all over the city, all in the newspaper, all over Facebook, but you do something good, look like nobody is talking about it. And this verse is from Judges chapter 3, verse 31, and it, and it reads, And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines six hundred men with an ox gold, and he also delivered Israel. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox gold, and he also delivered Israel. And I speak to you from the subject of what is in your hand. What is in your hand? There's really only this one verse in the Bible that talks about this judge, Shamgar. He's mentioned in one other place that says in the days of Shamgar, but it really doesn't add and give any more details about the man. He may be little known by most Christians. I've never heard a sermon preached about him. But I would like to pause today to tell you about this judge that delivered a nation with what was in his hand. Didn't have a great name. Didn't have a warrior's history. Didn't have any military rank. He didn't have any special weapons. Even the very name Shamgar in Hebrew means the desolate dragged away one. So he didn't have a mighty name in meeting. But even though he didn't have much, he dedicated the little that he had in his hand unto God to be used in whatever way he saw fit. And God turned this nobody into a national hero. And he slayed 600 Philistine men with an ox gold, which was a farmer's tool that was used to prod on oxen as they plowed the ground. And this gold, it was a wooden stick about eight feet long at about two to six inches around, with a sharp end on one end and a small shovel-like end on the back end to scrape dirt off the plow. So I ask you today, what's in your hand? Turn to your neighbor on each side and ask them, what's in your hand? Everybody, just look at your own hand right now. Look at your own hand and zoom in and look closer at the ridges on the end of your finger called a fingerprint. And these tiny ridges you now see 
They are unique among all others on the planet. And even my phone, it has a technology in it where I can scan my fingerprint across it and it can recognize me from everybody else on the planet and it only unlock for my finger. While looking at your hand, ask yourself, what is God's purpose for these hands to do on earth? Everything you touch leaves a smudge of the fingerprint you now see. You leave a mark on everything you touch. There are some situations where only your fingerprint will straighten them out. There are some people where only your fingerprint on them will be able to draw them to Christ. There are some blessings where only your fingerprint will be able to unlock them. What's in your hand today? Many times we undervalue what's in our hand because it's common to us. It may be something that we've dealt with in our hand for a long time, and once it becomes common, we don't place the value on it as something new. And you might say, all I can do is cook, but I'm here to tell you that I know a story of an old widow woman that had just a little oil and a little meal, and she found her salvation through baking bread with the little that was in her hand. You might say that all I'm good at is seeing about children. Well, I've heard that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. The first black president of the U.S. and President Bill Clinton were both raised without their biological father being there. You may have the gift of song or dance in your hands, and if you submit them unto God, chains can be broken in the atmosphere just from the worship of God. You might say, I don't have any money, don't have a degree, don't have any special skills, and my hands are empty. I disagree with you that if you put two empty hands together, I declare you do have something of great value, that there's power in prayer. He may just call you just to be an intercessor for others. Don't despise the little that's in your hand. I tell you that prayer changes things. All great moves of God were brought on through prayer. What's in your hand today? Sometimes we're so blinded by what we don't have, we can't see what we do have. The Bible in Judges 5 talks about Shamgar's times, saying that the roads were abandoned and travelers took to winding paths. Village life in Israel had ceased. It says that out of 40,000 men, you couldn't find one spear or shield among them. The men other than Shamgar couldn't see what they had in their own hands for spending so much time worrying about weapons that they didn't have. And God wants to use what you have right now so that he can breathe on it and get the glory. And see, if Shamgar had had a full staff of guards with super sharp blades, then Israel would have praised the skill of the men and the warriors. But because there was just one man with an old wooden farming tool that killed these 600 Philistines, they had to glorify God because they knew it was no way in his own might and his own power that it could be done. And he'll do great things in your life so that those that see it will know and have to praise God. That they'll know that no amount of training, no amount of resources could do what was done but by the grace of God. So many times we pray to God to put more in our hands. But every person that I know of in the Bible, they use what they had in their own hands first before God blessed them with a whole lot more. The Bible says that he who is faithful over a little, he'll make him ruler over much. So you got to show God your faithfulness right where you are with what you have in order 
to be increased with more. God asked Moses, what's in your hand, Moses? And he said, all I have is this staff in my hand. And that shepherd's staff wasn't much, but dedicated to God. It became a mighty tool. David used a sling and five smooth stones to conquer an army. For the little boy of the feeding of the 5,000, it was five loaves and two fish that was in his hand. For Samson, it was the jawbone of a donkey in his hand. For Peter and Andrew, they only had fishing nets, but Jesus made them fishers of men. God can use anything. And I ask you, what's in your hand today? What's in your hand? When I looked up the definition of gold, before the definition in the dictionary, it had the pronunciation key. And as the pronunciation, it listed G, then long O, that's an O with a line over it, and then D. Right there in the dictionary, not even in the Bible, but in the dictionary, revelation came to my eyes that it was G-O-D as the pronunciation of gold. And God was right there hidden in the very definition of this gold. The men attacking Shamgar, they probably saw him out farming and said, let's go raid this little old man's farm and take his cattle. And they saw him with just a stick in his hand and said, all he's got is this stick. He don't have any weapons, no swords, no bow and arrows, no shield. We can go out there and take what he has and be on our way with it. But they couldn't see in this gold, they couldn't see the God that was upon him. And when they came to march upon him and underestimated what was upon this man, Shamgar, that as he began sticking them one by one with this gold, they said, what is this on this stick that's going through our armor, that's going through us, that we underestimated? It looked like an old shepherd. It looked like he was just a farmer. But something was on this boy. They underestimated the God that they couldn't see on his gold. So I ask you today, what's in your hand? When God puts this super on your natural, supernatural phenomena takes place. Many of you sitting out there today, the devil has underestimated his attack on you because all he could see is your frailty. He could only see your weakness, but they can't see God's strength upon your weakness until it's too late. When you get into the fight with the enemy, he'll say that this isn't the same man or woman that I saw from a distance. It's not the same person that I attacked. Somehow they're stronger now. Some of you in here today are supposed to be dead by now by the devil's calculation. But when he attacked your body, you couldn't see the super upon your natural. Some of you in here today, you've been through so much mental attack, you ought to be in an institution today. But he underestimated your capacity to handle adversity because he couldn't see the super upon your natural. Shamgar used the ox gold like a sword. And the Bible talks about the word of God and said the word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner, the thoughts and very intents of the heart. So you've got to use the weapon of the word of God as your sword. And when the devil comes to attack you on your job and you see your boss coming at you with that crazy look in his eyes, You've got to mutter under your breath and say, for it is written that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. When you see your children want to act crazy on you and you see the devil want to come against your home, you got to stop him with the weapon of the sword, the spirit of the word of God, and say, 
it is written that as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. When he comes in like a flood against your body and you may feel some pains in places that you haven't been normally feeling and then the devil starts to tell you things about what may be going on in your body and before you go to the doctor, you need to use your sword of the spirit, that word, and you need to attack that enemy and say, for it is written, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of his peace was upon us, with his strike, I am healed in Jesus' name. He's called for us to use that weapon of his word against every attack of the enemy. Sometimes we spend too much time focusing on the size of our problem instead of the size of our God. And we should have the word of God in our hands and in our hearts. And with the sword of the spirit, we can conquer giants. When I was about 10 years old, my mother hasn't even heard this story. And she didn't even know it was going on. And we were all, see, Elijah would be aware of it, but we were gathered in the den. I've gotten too big to get a spanking now, so I'm going to tell it now. <laughs> we were gathered in the den watching television. I was only about 10 years old, and some of you may remember the TV series, The Incredible Hook. And they got movies now, but it was a TV series back in our day. It came on every week. And me watching this thing as a young boy, I developed this nature where when somebody made me real mad, I would go to a corner and just get quiet and I would come out and say, oh, he's turning into the hook now. And <laughs> I'm telling the truth, Stella. <laughs> so one day my neighbor was over, Tony, and he was about 10 years older than me. So I was about 10, he may have been about 20, and I was about waist high to him. And it looked like he just kept on me this day, kept messing with me, kept teasing me. It just kept on hitting on me. And I, and I just reached a point where I just couldn't take it anymore. How I many of you have ever reached that point in your life? I just couldn't take it anymore. And I went to my little corner and got quiet. And this time I took it a little too far. And I, <laughs> and like I said, the regular hook wasn't going to do it. I went to the kitchen this time and saw on the counter the knife that we cut bread with. And I, I grabbed this knife, came out with the hook with a knife this time. And, and when he saw me, even though I was only waist high to him, I saw him flee and run like I'd never seen this grown man run before. He didn't stop and try to argue with me and try to reason with me, say, now you know I was just playing with you and I'm an adult and this and that. He didn't try to do any logical thing. He just took off and hit the door. We just heard the door slam behind him. And I didn't see him for a few weeks. And, and I tell you that to say that he wasn't afraid of me because I was only waist high, but he was afraid of what was in my hand. And if you have that word of God in your hand, that sword, that no matter your size, no matter how much resource you have, no matter what kind of degree you have, that that word of God, when he sees you coming with it, he'll have to flee like my neighbor. Glory, 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 glory. And I tell you, that same knife that was used to slice bread in the house became a fearful weapon in my hands against a giant in my sight. And by parallel, Jesus is the bread of life and his word slices open the revelation of him and empowers us against the enemy as a mighty weapon. 
And as I near my close today, I ask you again, what is in your hand and have you dedicated it unto God? I teach my children that to become good at something in the natural, it takes three natural components. First one is talent, that which you're born with. The second one is training, which is giving by somebody who's already good at it. The third one is practice. So once you've trained, you've got to practice it to become good at it. But when you want to go beyond good and become extraordinary, also teach them there's a fourth component, and that is the anointing and the favor of God. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, He'll take you to a level that is beyond your natural talent, beyond your training, beyond your years of practice, to a level that only He can take you to. Shem, God, didn't have the talent. He didn't have the training. He never practiced enough to beat 600 men with just a stick. But with the Spirit of the Lord on him, he was able to save a nation. Shamgar was farming and submitted his tool unto God and a nation was delivered. What could God do in your workplace if you submit your job unto God? You submit your talents unto God. You may be a hairstylist or a barber and you say, what's in my hand? You can look at your chair as one swiveling pew. And as each person comes in one by one, you can ask God for godly wisdom and begin, as you anoint their head with oil, you can begin to counsel them to minister salvation unto them. You might be a teacher and say, what's in my hand? What can I do as a teacher? They've taken prayer out of the school. They've taken the Bible out of the school. What can I do? You can look at what's in your hand and dedicate it unto God. When you go home every night and have to grade papers, you can pray before it and you can take those papers after you've graded and lay hand over each paper and use them as a prayer cloth and begin to pray over little Jenny and little Susie's house and the things that may be going on in their world and begin to pray that God will minister salvation unto their houses. And when they get those papers back in class, even though it might not be an outward thing in school, but they'll feel something jump off of the paper that they got graded. And God can use that gifting. You may even be a jail guard and saying, what can I do in here? But I tell you, if you'll just use what's in your hand as you walk down the corridors with cells on each side and they don't have to hear you, but under your breath, you can just begin to pray for these prisoners and say, Lord, I just pray that somebody in here, oh Lord, will come to know you, oh Lord, that you'll speak to them tonight, oh Lord, that they'll know you, oh Lord, even in their sleep, oh Father. And if you don't know what to pray, just pray in tongues and God will pray for those through the Spirit that need it. Use whatever is in your hand right where you are. The very first week that I got my driver's license at 16, I submitted it unto God, began driving the church van to pick up inner city kids, to bring them to church and took them to eat after church. I kept doing it for 10 years. I submitted my license unto God the very first week that I got it. After I graduated from college in computers, I submitted my computer degree and skills unto God and partnered with Pastor to develop mountainwings.com, virtualchurch.com, theonlineword.com, and all of the other ministry sites that you see on the banner. I submitted them unto God. And one day in my first few years at Brunner Brothers, I can remember that they called me and said, the server is not up. And I came and looked at it and it had crashed and the hard drive was just gone. And I didn't panic. I said, well, we got backups for this. At this time we were using tapes. And I pulled out the first tape. 
put it in and tried to restore the data and the tape had gotten corrupted. I said, well, that's why I do a second backup so in case the first one gets corrupted. Put in the second one and tried to pull it up and again, it was messed up. That's when I started to panic. This had all of the accounting data, all of the information for our accounts, all the transactions on it and everything seemed lost and I told him to just give me a minute and I came in and closed the door. And I said, Lord, you've called me to this position, oh Lord. You've given me the gift of computers, oh Lord. And I need you right now, oh Father. And I took out that hard drive and held it in my hands and said, Lord, I believe that if you brought Lazarus back from the dead, oh Lord, I believe with enough faith you can bring back to life this hard drive. I prayed a prayer of faith, put it back in the computer, didn't do anything different, booted it up, all of the files were restored. And I tell you, it was something that I didn't learn at Georgia Tech. Something that my mentors couldn't train me on. Something that years of practice couldn't teach me how to do. That only the anointing that breaks the yoke could do. So if you submit your gift, your profession, that which is in your hand, your children unto him, I tell you, he'll use it. He'll use it for his glory. And even there was a 15-year-old boy that. He was in his high school here recently, and he was going through the lunch line, and he had his lunch in his hands. And the cafeteria worker, she said, I hear you sing. Can you sing something for me? And he stopped there in the middle of his lunch line. Many of you may have seen the video. And he said that he didn't even know she was recording it. He said, I'll sing for you. And he began to use his gift. He said he just closed his eyes and sang unto the Lord. He said he forgot about he was in a school, forgot about he was in a lunch line, forgot about his problems. He just leaned over with his lunch in his hand and sang, I won't complain. And the anointing hit him and he began speaking in tongues in the middle of the song. And, and the lady put it on Facebook and it became viral. It got over 2,000 comments on the video. And he said he started getting calls from all over the country to come and sing just because he took this little gift in his hand. Didn't worry about his peers hearing him sing this Christian song in a public high school out in the open. He just closed his eyes and worshiped God. He said he's been getting calls from every state in the nation, even international places like Jamaica, all over the world. And even this young man, we called him ourselves to come and minister at our revival. And he will be the singer for two nights of our revival just from him using the gift of God that was on his life. So I ask you as I close today, what is in your hand? Thank you for tuning in today for Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the Word. You are listening to BrothersoftheWord.com. This was the message titled, What's in Your Hand? by James Bronner. This message is number 8237. That's 8237. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 8237 to a friend, go to BrothersoftheWord.com. Listen to BrothersoftheWord.com often because, brother, you need the Word. Oh,